Welcome in, everybody, to the Flagship Podcast. I am Chip Brown of Horns247.com, joined by my esteemed colleague at Horns247.com, the one and only Eric Henry. Eric, we are previewing Texas and TCU. The Longhorns heading to Fort Worth to take on the Purple Menace. And they've been a purple menace for Texas. Three and eight are the Longhorns against TCU since the Frogs joined the Big 12. Three and eight. That's their worst record um, against any of the, shall we say, uh, remaining eight Big 12 teams. And TCU head coach Sonny Dykes is three and oh against the Longhorns. Uh, 2-0 while he was at Cal, 1-0 last year. Of course, last year, a 17-10 win for then number four TCU in Austin over Texas, and it was a complete shutdown of the Texas offense. Only game in the 34-game Steve Sarkeesian era in which the Longhorns did not score an offensive touchdown. Had first and goal from the two, first and goal from the five, and came away with three points, and Bijan Robinson never touched the ball in either of those situations. Texas ran 22 times for 28 yards, Eric. But this is a different TCU team. They are they're bleeding. Um, they're coming off a loss at Texas Tech. Their starting quarterback Chandler Morris is out with a knee injury. We we expect to see. Um, <clears throat> Josh Hoover, the freshman quarterback who has had an interception in every game he's played in this season, all five, including two interceptions uh, against BYU and Texas Tech. So, Eric, um, lots to contemplate here, but your thoughts on the Longhorns coming off the win over Kansas State, now facing the TCU Horn Frogs in a night game in Fort Worth. My own boxer, Brown, where do we start? With the Longhorns, uh, obviously we dove really deep into the Kansas State win, so I won't rehash that too much. But I think one of the more encouraging signs, Chip, and listen, that game was, you know, a tale of two halves. It was, you know, uh, exhilarating. It was a Tums chugger. It was, if you're a Longhorn fan, exhilarating for the better part of three quarters, you know, two and a half at least. And then the last quarter and a half, or, or I should say quarter and a half plus the overtime period, you're holding on to your hat, just wondering, man, is this thing going to, is this thing going to fall apart? Right. And uh, I, I would like to get your thoughts on this, but I'll talk about it a little bit when we spoke with. Texas head coach Steve Sarkeesian on Monday, I, I found his approach interesting when he said, listen, you know, we played a pretty good ball game outside of seven plays. He talked about the three turnovers. He talked about some inefficiency to be able to put points on the board in certain areas. And, and he talked about one of Kansas State's touchdowns where it was a post play and he felt there was a bit of a, a mix up there in coverage. And he said, you remove those seven plays and we played a pretty good ball game. And I'm not putting words in Steve Sarkeesian's mouth, right? But it, it's almost like you can say that about a lot of football games. There are a lot of football teams 
that would say you take a play here, a play there, you know, a handful of plays there, and the outcome is different, right? But with that being said, the positive aspect of is Texas managed to overcome those seven plays and still put the win together. So that is the first thing. The second thing that I thought was noticeable when the great Chip Brown asked Steve Sarkeesian, you know, hey, what's the status on some guys? And, you know, Sark being a little bit evasive, but you would expect, he said, he didn't give specific, you know, didn't want to get specific into which guys may have done what, but he said the positive was everyone participated in practice. And if I'm taking him at his word, that is a significant development. Because I really do think, Chip, and we'll get into it later on in this podcast, the most notable Longhorn injury development, uh, Quinn Ewers, right? He said that Quinn was week to week, and now he is day to day. So we'll see what his status is. However, if it is Malik Murphy making his third start, the reason I think it is significant that all of the Longhorns practiced is I think we have enough evidence over two weeks to show that it is going to be all hands on deck. That's not sliding Malik in any way. We've seen him make some throws that, you know, particularly downfield uh, in that uh, two weeks ago that, you know, looked really impressive. And then we saw him make some throws last week. It's like, oh, you hang on to your hats. My point is, throw an indictment on Malik. That's a redshirt freshman making his second start, right? I think having all hands on deck going into a road environment, a hostile environment, an environment that they will want to send the horns off as every single team in the Big 12 has attempted to do this season. You're going to need all hands on deck. You're going to need Jalen Catalan in run support. You're going to need you know, uh, uh, the, the entire offensive line, hopefully a healthy Christian Jones and Cole Hudson you know, as well, right? So you're going to need all hands on deck to be able to continue the the, the winning ways. So in my mind, that was the, um, outside of the, the Quinn Ewers development, that was the second most notable thing to come out of Monday's player availability. And the third thing, Chip, then, and I'll pass it back to you on this, is I I, I wrote about it for Horns 24-7. I, I, I talked about, you know, maybe dismissing Steve Sarkeesian's phrase, his, his, you know, being emphatic of versatility, right? You know, when I heard it after the Rice win, just in my experience of covering college football, I thought, all right, you know, there's a little bit of, you know, for lack of a better word, spin, right? And when you enter a game as a 35-point favorite, and while Texas, if memory serves me correct, won by 26 or 27, um, it still wasn't, you know, the type of impressive performance that you would have expected considering the, the talent of both teams. I thought him saying, hey, what this showed was the versatility of this team. I felt that that was a little bit of like, all right, you know, let's put a little bit of spin on this. However, Chip, especially the last two weeks are what sold me on Steve Sarkeesian's message of versatility. The fact that they've been able to rally around said backup quarterback and find different ways, different position groups, different players stepping up and contributing. And outside of the Oklahoma loss, they have found ways to win games. So I do think that measure of versatility is true. Now spinning it forward, Chip, culture. I think the culture line is true. And I want to pull up this line on my phone here because it just came across uh, TCU tight end, of course, former Texas tight end, Jared Wiley. Chip, I do not know if you've had a chance to see this quote, this apparently is what he gave the uh, the TCU media, uh, directly quoting him here. Over the years, 
it's been over, excuse me, over the years, it's kind of been a deal where a couple of years ago, you would say they're not really a team and are playing for themselves, referring to Texas. I think that this year has been different. They look like a tight knit group. I, I, I mentioned that because Chip at Big 12 Media Days, what's the first thing we heard guys like Jade Barron and Xavier Worthy, Jordan Wington say, you know, the, to quote Jay Witt directly, like, we really mess with each other. We, we really rock with each other, right? And again, those it's one of those things that I think when you hear on the surface, you can throw it away, right? Because how many times you've, I'm sure, Chip, you've heard, you know, Texas teams that didn't play with the potential to talk about, oh, the culture is, is one thing and this, that, and the other. But seemingly, that is bearing out. And I thought Jared Wiley's quote was interesting. A guy who had been in that locker room and, and had the experience of it, noticing that uh, from an outsider's perspective. So those are the things that I'm keeping my eye on. And those last two things I really think are going to carry through and they'll make the difference down the stretch here uh, for Texas. If they're there, it's going to be a difference between going three and O or possibly not. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think the culture aspect of this team is real and, my God, when all your season goals are on the line in one final play and you saw tremendous effort, great communication, great execution by Texas in that final sequence against Kansas State. Still not sure why uh, Chris Kleiman decided to go for it when he clearly had the offense with the momentum and a veteran quarterback. But um that is now in the past and Texas now turns its sights to TCU. And here's, here's the, here's the million dollar. If Malik Murphy doesn't turn the ball over uh, with that terrible, terrible decision to throw the ball on the failed screen in their own end early in the fourth quarter, right after K-State had had an impressive drive uh, and sets you know, Malik Murphy sets up K-State for an easy short field touchdown. And then the very next drive, Jonathan Brooks straining for extra yards uh, gets, um, you know, picked for the fumble and K-State scores again. That was the 20-0 run. Um, and do they come out of that game feeling like, okay, we just looked over the edge of the cliff and we survived. Now it's time to put it all together. And really, a lot of it is going to depend on if it is Malik Murphy, can he protect the football? Can the offense protect the football? And I would say, where's the running game? Why is Malik Murphy throwing the ball 37 times against Kansas State when you're running the ball uh, effectively 230 yards rushing? Um you know, Texas was able to move the football on the ground, but yet there they were continuing to sling it. They would run for six yards, run for five yards and then throw it um, or run it for six yards and throw it being complete. And then they're third and six. Anyway, this is a TCU defense that is a bit of an enigma because they have all these starters back from the defense that completely stoned Texas in Austin last year. You've got, um, you know, Johnny Hodges, the leading tackler, Jamoy Hodge, the leading uh, sack, uh, you know, artist from last year, Bud Clark, the he had five interceptions last year. He's back. Josh Newman, 
probably NFL corner, first team all big 12. Xavier Worthy mentioned him by name without even being prompted. So you know that Xavier Worthy has respect for Josh Newman because he was a handful for Worthy last year. And yet, Eric, TCU's defense has given up a truckload of points to Colorado, um, to Kansas State, the very Kansas State team that Texas just beat. That K-State team beat TCU 41-3 to in Manhattan. Obviously, home and road games are different, but Colorado uh, put all those points up in week one. And that's that's where this thing gets interesting for me, Eric, because TCU just hasn't been able to get on track with any consistency. They have, you know, had a, a they'll have a you know good game or maybe they were getting some momentum with Chandler Morris. Then he goes down in the third quarter against Iowa State and. You know, then uh, they they win at Houston comfortably. Uh, they beat SMU. SMU's proving to be a, a good team. But then they got beat at home by West Virginia in a line of scrimmage game. And that's the game that I just keep kind of coming back to uh, when I look at Texas. And and I just think Texas, they're, what they did against Kansas State, completely shutting down K-State's running game, being able to run for 230 yards themselves, the Longhorns. I just think that maybe they are on the verge of putting it all together. Texas special teams are much better than TCU's. TCU, not good in punting. Uh, Griffin Kale, who's you know been good, is struggling this year, 11 of 18. Although the ones he's missed here recently have been super long. Uh, I just feel like it, it, a whole hell of a lot would have to go wrong for Texas to lose this game to TCU. And look, TCU's entirely capable of, you know, they've lost four of their last five. They may, you know, Sunny Dykes may press all the right buttons. The senior leadership may, you know, Grant Taft swallowed a worm to get Baylor to beat Texas in the, you know, what, 70s. I don't know what's going to happen at TCU this weekend. Maybe they'll have a hex rally or something. They could put it all together. I still think if they put it all together, a whole hell of a lot would have to go wrong for Texas to lose this game because of the dominant lines of scrimmage, Eric. I'm really glad you ended there because I'm going to come back to that. I'm going to work my way there. Just stick with me, Chip. I feel like, now through what nine games when it comes to both TCU and Texas you got to kind of throw the putting it all together in my mind out of the window here's why I'll start with TCU this is a team that's lost four out of the last five games and I think at a certain point in the year you are who you are you saw them have what three game win streak prior to losing four of the last five. And that in it's in that stretch chip and granted, yes, Chandler Morris got hurt, but it's in that stretch in my mind when I think you can say, okay, as a team, are we going to hit some sort of like ceiling, right? you know, are, are we going to kind of take off or are we going to hit a ceiling? And you look at this team, it's not, it's not young guys, right? As you talked about, they have 
plenty of veterans from last year's team. Granted, okay, you don't have you know an NFL quarterback in Max Duggan, but it's not like you're dealing with a group of guys who are, in my mind, similar to Texas's, where they're learning on the fly. This is all new to them. Being eight and one is new to this group of Longhorns. Now, I mean, granted, you can get guys who may have had success in high school, or you get an AD Mitchell who's had success at Georgia, but for the most part, this is all new to them. There's more of an argument in my mind, Chip, for Texas finding another gear than there is TCU. And I think that's kind of where you landed, right? That if TCU was going to, you know, have that game where it all kind of comes together. Like, man, Chip, they, they, they would, if they didn't kind of get their, you know, themselves kind of slapped in the face during, after that Colorado game on national TV to open the season, I just don't see it happening this late in the year. With Texas, the reason I said I'm glad you landed with the lines is if there's one thing that I feel most consistent about this Texas team, it's that Texas's defensive line is going to be there. That's going to travel. Everything else we can say from game to game, week to week, depending on injuries, it's kind of, you know, we'll see. Even a secondary that I think, yes, certainly was affected by Ryan Watts uh, being injured. And, you know, maybe we've seen, you know, just – some of that attrition, right? They didn't have Jalen Catalan, didn't have Keaton Crawford. Maybe some of that stuff plays a factor in, in last week's rally, in addition to some of the momentum uh, that, you know, the Kansas State kind of built up. Because you look at the numbers, Kansas State, and at the end of the day, you look at the numbers through for what, over 300? I could pull up the, the air, got 327, right? Through the air, right? So, and I think at halftime, it was something like 79 yards, right? So it, even you could say the secondary might have been a little, a little iffy. The thing that I feel most confident about, right, is this Texas defensive line. I don't see any way that TCU's offensive line can win at the line of scrimmage enough to spring guys like Imani Bailey or even somehow, you know, a Jared Wiley or John Paul Richardson or, 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 you know, enough to make plays in the passing game. I just don't see that. Even Jonathan Brooks, who has been easily the most steady offensive performer, right, that's contingent upon a Texas offensive line that we'll have to see while Steve Sarkeesian said everyone practice, we'll have to see what that looks like, whether that's Christian Jones uh, being, being available as a Cam Williams make another start or Cole Hudson. And, and, and the run game was there last week, but still, in my mind, the thing that I find to be most consistent that I think will propel this team, knock on wood barring injury, the three straight wins close out the year, is Tabondre Sweat playing like a guy who – Forget first rounder. I mean, he, we're now getting into the top 15 of the NFL draft in my mind. If he continues this type of play, Byron Murphy, who probably is following right behind him and saying, Hey, you know, I want to get myself up in those draft boards as well. That to me, and then now we're getting Ethan Burke, who, I mean, the kid, what, 12, 13 days off of knee surgery, two sacks. That to me is the most consistent thing that I think Texas will bring, not just this week, but throughout the year throughout the, the, the rest of the season. And I don't see TCU or really any opponent for that matter in the regular season finding a way to counter that group that from day one has been mean, nasty, and violent as we were told they would be in fall camp. Well, think about what Texas did to hurt themselves in the K-State game. Three turnovers. They give up a blocked punt and another failed fourth down in the red zone that's essentially five turnovers and at some point you would think 
either Steve Sarkeesian would keep the ball in the hands of his talented running back uh, tandem or core. Keela Robinson's had some nice runs here. Jaden Blue as well. And take some pressure off of Malik Murphy, if it is indeed Malik Murphy. And I know the timeline, this would be rushing Quinn Ewers back. I, I've talked to sources who've said the from the beginning, the timeline was Iowa State. Now, maybe Quinn Ewers is a fast healer. Maybe the training staff's doing amazing things. But um, you need Quinn Ewers to be healthy in the stretch run, and you should be able to win this game with Malik Murphy if that's what it comes down to. So, A, put the ball in the hands of your talented running back core. B, take the points. Take the points. Kick the field goals. Even if you're pissed that you didn't, you know, get deeper in the red zone. If you're stuck at the four, kick the field goal. Take the points. You're on the road. Remember, remember Chip, the book. The book said to do it. I mean, Sarkeesian's money on fourth down between the 20s. When it gets down into the red zone, it is a whole nother matter. Now, he's had some success with Savion Red. It finally came to an end with the fumble that uh, Savion Red had. But Texas did a lot to hurt itself in the in the K-State game. And I just have to think that they're going to put it together. I think Malik Murphy, this this defense and look TCU's number two in passing yards. They also lead the big 12 in interceptions thrown. So they're going to throw it a bunch and they're going to give it to you uh, once or twice. And hell, Michael Taft's going for the school record here with, if he gets a fourth straight game with an interception, uh, he will tie Earl Thomas for the school record. So let's, let's see if Mookie Taft, the arch, Manning official visit whisperer uh, can can get it done. Um, and before we we get on to uh, take it or leave it, Eric, full disclosure, we're recording right here in the middle of the college football playoff rankings release. And Texas remains at number seven in the. Uh, committee rankings. I know there was some speculation that maybe Alabama would move ahead of Texas because of their impressive wins over Ole Miss and LSU, but uh, Texas still ahead of Alabama, and that is big uh, at this point. And then, of course, you've got uh, Oregon and Washington and the uh, – what Ohio state is number one and Georgia is number two and Michigan three and Florida state four. So um, there you go. And we'll, you know, as Jake Majors said this week, and again, kudos to Jake Majors second straight start on that high ankle sprain guys been solid. And he said, you know, someone asked him, hey, can you feel it? Can you touch it? He, you're so close now, three games to go. And he said, yeah, we're hungry, but we got to handle right here, right now. And if we keep doing that, we'll achieve our goals. So as long as everyone else is getting that message, primarily uh, 
you know, Malik Murphy on the turnovers, Eric, because Malik Murphy, four turnovers and two starts. That's the most of any quarterback in his first two starts in the last 20 years. So it's complicated, not com- complicated. I mean, it is, it's a pro system. It's a high profile stage. You're going up against Kansas state, a high quality team, the defending big 12 champs, but you, you look at the interceptions and you're like, no, no, it's not okay. It's not okay to just throw it up for grabs when you're under pressure. You've got to learn to throw it away, throw it at the heels of the running back on a failed screen. You're allowed to do that. Um, so he saw a burnt orange over there and threw it, and it was Hayden Connor. That can't happen because, look, Texas gave Houston momentum, and they came charging back. Texas gave K-State momentum, and they came charging back. Suddenly, Texas has gone from a fourth-quarter punisher, finisher, slow-starting fourth-quarter punisher to a fast-starting fader, which is the crap that we saw last year, you know, when they went to Oklahoma State and, you know, gave up a 31-17 lead and, had to hang on against K-State after having a 31-10 lead at halftime. So it's something else, Eric. It is like watching, you know, personalities change, and and yet Texas is still right where it wants to be. Now, that Oklahoma loss or the Oklahoma win over Texas is looking worse by the day because now Oklahoma's lost to Kansas. They've lost to uh, – Oklahoma State, Oklahoma State now is in the driver's seat probably uh, to get to the Big 12 title game, which honestly plays into Texas's hands uh, with Ali Bailey in that running game. But, um, you know, Texas needs to look like a conference championship team and it needs to start now. They certainly had some, you know, moments against Kansas state. My God, they're up 27 to seven with four minutes left in the third quarter. That was looking great until, um, so, um, any other final thoughts, Eric, before we get to take it or leave it? Yeah. Yeah. I want to touch on a couple of things you said there, Chip, but I just want to ask you again, I, I lean on you as someone's been around these parts for a while. Again, I'm going to knock on wood for the folks at home, but this, this is a wood desk, so I am knocking on wood. Chip, what would devastate Longhorn fans more if, to your point, when Jake was asked that question, I completely understand why this entire team has taken the approach of, like, we can't think that far ahead. Because to be this, quote-unquote, close to the destination and to fall short, I, I wonder what would devastate Longhorn fans more if you're out of it and you know you're out of it come week three or you come this close only to trip up again, knock on wood. Just want to get your thoughts on that really quick before I touch on some of those. Yeah, I mean, I think the anxiety, and I've said the lack of patience with Malik Murphy is directly proportional to the amount of anxiety that Longhorn Nation is feeling because they're this close. It's a great to point. get to getting that big 12 title. There is not patience for anything in this world seemingly, but there's almost no patience for unforced errors when it comes to their football team right now, because they know 
they've got that win over Alabama on the road. They've got the pole position for achieving their goals. Um, it would be crushing. It would be crushing. And it's, it's, as I've said, it's not fair to Malik Murphy, but life isn't fair. And he, he wanted this opportunity and he's getting this opportunity for his sake. You hope uh, if he is indeed the starter against TCU, that he has the kind of game he wants to be remembered for. Cause if he's going back to the bench, you want everyone remembering kind of like Hudson card Hudson card last year played his best game as a longhorn against West Virginia in a win. It was really the last time you saw Hudson card and Texas fans were like, Hey, Thank you. Thank you, Hudson Card, for stepping in and delivering the goods. He struggled, lost against Texas Tech. Not just him. Defense gave up six of eight fourth down conversions. But Hudson Card played great against West Virginia. It was his last game as a Longhorn. Thank you for the memories. Who knows what's going to happen, Eric, with this quarterback room as we move forward. Uh, Does Quinn Ewers turn pro? Does he not turn pro? Um, if, if he does turn pro, you know, does Malik Murphy stay and, and he and Arch Manning duke it out going into next season, lots on the line here. So, um, look, this is what we love as junkies, college football junkies is having storylines like this with one of the most high profile, polarizing, iconic football programs in the history of college football. And so hold on to your butts, kids, because it's it's on. And three straight night games, next two are on the road against teams that have given Texas fits. So um, this is a different Texas team, as, as we said. Different culture, different leadership, um, guys who are fed up and ready to win, and playmakers, difference makers in the lines of scrimmage. And that's going to keep you in every game. It should. And Jonathan Brooks, pleasant surprise, over a thousand yards already with three games to go. And, um, you know, has just been a, uh, a stallion, uh, for this, for this Texas offense. CJ Baxter looks healthy and he's rolling average nine yards of carry thanks to a 54 yard touchdown run against Kansas state. So, um, you know, you hope that it's doing this. If you're a Texas fan, you're hoping that bar graph is going to go up and stay up and not hit the jagged ups and downs uh, through unforced errors. All right, Eric. I think it's time for some take it or leave it. All right. We are back here on the flagship podcast previewing Texas's game at TCU Saturday night in Fort Worth. Uh, of course, if you're watching us on the YouTube channel, we're rolling on Eric, you ready for some take it or leave it. I am absolutely ready for some take it or leave it shit. And before I lead off, so I think this week I am asking you the first question, as we talked about on last week's episode, we would start keeping track of these numbers because of course that's what we're doing right we're the experts so we should at least be graded and we got what another three weeks and we'll see what the postseason holds so we'll see where both of us fall chip you and i are tied we both went one for three so we got one correct two wrong 
in terms of our take it or leave it. What did so, we get right and what did we get wrong? Uh, I got to come back. I got that note right over there on the other side of my desk. I'd have to walk away from my computer, but I, I, I will I will get back to that and I'll have the audience know um, what it was that we got right and got wrong. I just that number from one of two. That's on me. Apologies for that. It's a, it's a work in progress. We're doing the fly. Hey, I, should, I should have had that. That's right. I should have had that on. So we're not end. doing very well is what you're saying. So <laughs> we're not doing very step well. it up. All right. Step it up. Okay. Take it or leave it. Chip. Texas runs the ball 50 times Saturday night at TCU. What you got? I mean, I got to take this because this just seems like a no brainer. And it, it seems like it's been a struggle for Steve Sarkeesian to get to 50 carries in the run game. And I get it. There have been injuries on the offensive line, blah, 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 blah. But you ran for, what, 37 times for 230 yards last week against a K-State defense that had been playing really well, shutting offenses down. And you had a 54-yard Touchdown run in there. We know how explosive Texas's running game has been. Don't make it harder on yourself than you need to be. And look, I get it. Malik Murphy throws a pretty deep ball, and he has been money, especially early in games. Last week, 37-yarder to Adnai Mitchell, a 47-yard pass to A.D. Mitchell, uh, sets up a field goal. But it's it's time to grind it's time to you're on the road take the crowd out of it demoralize the opponent by running the football 50 times i'm taking this uh eric how about you i'm leaving it short and to the point quick uh, chip they've only run the ball 50 times once this year it happened against kansas i believe it was 50 how'd that go 51 attempts for 40 to 14 <laughs> 51 attempts to, for 336 yards and four TDs, Chip. Probably the best, most impressive win of the season over a quality opponent. For the majority of the year, Texas has fallen right. And, and what's, here's what's funny is outside of that 50, they haven't even hit 40. The high mark is 39, right? So they've been between 34 and 39, just looking at stat broadcast here on the fly. So, yeah, that is why I am leaving it, Chip. Boy, they. Don't make it harder than you have to, Steve Sarkeesian. <laughs> All right. Eric, if it's Malik Murphy at quarterback against TCU in Fort Worth Saturday night, he has his first turnover-free game as a Longhorn. Take it or leave it. I will answer the question and then ask you a question. Chip, I'm leaving it. Uh, how many throwaways do you know offhand, Chip? Uh, there you go. That's what I was looking for. I knew I'd tee you up and you'd knock it right out of the park. Malik Murphy has 70 attempts on the year. He has thrown the ball away zero times. Stark said it. Listen, they're going to have to coach that into him, right? That sometimes not trying to make the, 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 the best play isn't trying to force it downfield. And he talked about this kind of that quarterback DNA, right? You always think there's a throw to be made, but letting him know that Sometimes the best play we made is a throwaway, right? Or a punt. Those things uh, are, are things that are, are good things for quarterbacks, right? Especially young quarterbacks finding their footing. 
I don't know, and I don't – listen, Chip, I don't like to do the whole psychoanalyzing thing, but I don't know how you coach that into someone in a week and not take away their stinger, right? Meaning Malik Murphy someone with a big-time arm. That dude's been making throws his entire life, right? And he's been bigger than everybody's entire life. So it's always like, all right, I'll just sh- sh- shuffle away this defender, and I'll find someone downfield. I'll make the throw. I think those are things that you can coach into someone in an offseason and them still retain the essence of who they are as a quarterback, but I don't know how you do it in a week. So I'm not saying Malik is going to have, you know, another multi-turnover game, and I'm probably a little bit easier on Malik for some of those turnovers. We saw Jonte Cook trip up, lose his feet. We saw the play uh, two weeks ago where D. Sarkeesian said the route got cut off, so Malik didn't have something to throw the ball to, right? I'm probably a little give Malik a little bit more leeway on those turnovers than maybe some other people do, but I do think that's just something you. I, I, I listen. The, Steve Sarkeesian and AJ Milwee get paid a lot of money to do that, but I just think it's in the DNA of the player. I don't know how you fix that in a week, so I'm leaving that chip. What says you? Yeah, and we're not seeing him move around in the pocket much. You know that that feel is not there you know, the, to step up now he's, he has stepped up a couple times, but that feel that, you know, some players just have, um, we haven't seen a great pocket presence from Malik Murphy. We haven't seen, he had tons of green grass a couple times in that game, um, where he could have just run for 10 yards, um, probably gotten a first down. We haven't really even seen him run, Eric, like not even for four or five yards, uh, which is a little concerning for a guy who's 6'6 six, six and 240. But this is this is the window. Um, I just have to think Malik Murphy is enough of a competitor and has been telling himself all week, if I'm deep under pressure, I've got to throw this football away or I've got to get out of the tackle box or I got to eat it. I got to take a sack. I'm going to give him some blind faith here, Eric. And I am going to take this that Malik Murphy has his first turnover free game as a Longhorn. If indeed he is the quarterback in the TCU game, I guess we should probably have applied this to both. Malik and Quinn, but I will take it. And our final take it or leave it chip, Texas's defense forces three turnovers and, and holds TCU below 100 yards of rushing. Just for the record, TCU's rushing average coming into this game is 165.6. TV, taking it or leaving it. I'll tell you what. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Texas has been has been good at uh, at forcing turnovers. I'm not sure they get three, but 
look, don't let a punch drunk fighter get up off the canvas and throw an uppercut and take you out. Um, I'd feel better if it was two turnovers and hold TCU below 100 yards of rushing. So I'm going to leave this. But come on, Mookie, Mookie Taff. Get your get your name in the books with Earl Thomas with an interception in a fourth straight game. I'm going to leave this, Eric. I think I could see two turnovers uh, and holding TCU below 100 yards rushing. That would mean Texas is really putting it together defensively, which they need to because they're good enough to. Um, how about you? I am leaving it like you. If we're two turnovers, I feel really strong about this. Also, really quick, you know, Chip, on a scale of one to ten, level of surprise to hear that Michael Taft's name is Mookie. That that one definitely, uh, that would yeah. call me by surprise, right? I'm <laughs> with you. That that would call me by surprise. I didn't see Michael Taft getting a being a Mookie nickname. I got I will have to ask maybe next Monday we get him where that one came from. But uh, yeah, I'm leaving a chip. Um, you know, Texas, as you said, they've they've been better than they were last year at forcing turnovers. And clearly, as Steve Sarkeesian said, coming out of the bye week, the emphasis is to force turnovers, right? To as you wrap it up, have that ball awareness. He's talked about Jalen Ford having that ball awareness, Michael Taft having a nose with the football, right? Maybe this is an Anthony Hill game because we see him flying around and he's now a starter in, in the linebacker spot. Maybe it's the game where he can produce a turnover, but Texas has only forced three, um, two times this year. And uh, I just don't see it happening against the TCU team that I think if for any, if anything else, they're going to try to protect the football, um, especially with a young quarterback. So I am leaving this one, Chip Brown. Okay. Yeah, a lot of subplots to this one for sure. Kendall Bryles, remember, is the offensive coordinator at TCU. He is the um, – well, he was the offensive coordinator for Art Bryles when they were had everything humming at Baylor. Now, they're not, they're not putting the receivers outside the numbers with – the uh you know the two receivers stacked with the first read for the quarterback being a, a go route the second read being a slant um and reading the box and you know running zone read although there is some of that but it's not firing um in large part because of the struggling quarterback play the up and down quarterback play of of Josh Hoover. Um, and look, Chandler Morris had six interceptions before he got hurt. So it's been, it's not been what Sonny Dykes expected offensively and defensively. It's been um, that, that part of it is to me, the, the one that's hard to figure out and is a little scary because they, that defense could put it together under Joe Gillespie. It's the exact same you know, defensive coordinator uh, that Texas saw last year. And, you know, Eric, there was some talk of possible signs stealing or TCU may have had Texas's signs last year because the TCU defense seemed to know exactly what Texas was running. Um, We know that Steve Sarkeesian changed the signs. I'm going to be watching that too, because TCU's defense was good last year. They weren't that good. They weren't just shut everything down 
uh, keep Texas completely out of the end zone good, especially coming off of, um, you know, Texas coming off that big win at Kansas State the week before. And then they come back home and can't move a muscle. So let's see how the TCU defense does against this Texas offense on Saturday night. Should be a lot of fun. Eric and I will be there and we will be reporting back to you all with a recap or, um, you know, a follow-up on that game. So make sure you're subscribed to the Horns 24-7, all the podcasts at Horns 24-7. Just subscribe to the Horns 24-7 YouTube channel so that you get notifications whenever an episode of the Flagship Podcast drops. And of course, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Feel free to give us a five-star rating. Say something nice. Um, in your reviews, our bosses would greatly appreciate that. Um, hit the like button, do all that stuff. We need your help. Um, but we really do appreciate you listening to this episode of the flagship podcast for Eric Henry. I am Chip Brown until next time. We'll see you over at horns247.com. Stay safe and keep the faith.